Our scripture passage today is found in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the temple gate, called the Beautiful Gate, so that he could ask for alms of those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention upon them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And he took him by the hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I remember back to elementary school and the very best part of the day, it wasn't recess and it wasn't lunch and it wasn't even PE. The the very best part of the days were those rare occasions when the teacher would get called out of the classroom. I asked my daughter if this still happens, and apparently it doesn't because teachers now have these things called mobile phones, and they're able to get phone calls and emails right in the middle of class. Not so back in the dark ages where I grew up in. Uh, Back then, the loudspeaker would come on and announce that the teacher needed to come down to the office for something, and they would look over at the students and, and sternly warn us not to act up. They would threaten us, and they would tell us to keep on doing our work while they stepped out for just a moment. It was in that moment that that this surge of electricity would race across the room. We would continue to do our work diligently for a few moments, but, but over time, this nervous energy would build. It would, it would happen like this. The thought would dawn, we're unsupervised. We can do anything we want. It would start with, one person whispering to another person. Uh, if the teacher tarried, there would, there would come a giggle and a laugh from the back of the classroom, followed by a, a swift and violent shh. If the delay went on longer, eventually, out of nowhere, the threats would be forgotten and glorious pandemonium would erupt. I really miss those days. That's the image, at least, that I have of, of the disciples as they head back to Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension. There, Jesus, the, the rabbi, their teacher, had exited stage up, been drawn up into heaven, disappeared into the clouds. And they were told, they were given strict orders to go back to Jerusalem and wait for power to come from on high. 
And that's what they do. As Luke tells the story, they, they head back to their house and they give themselves to constantly to prayer. But I like to imagine that that prayer was, was balanced on the razor's edge, about to break into chaos. And, and kind of in hindsight, that's what happens on Pentecost, but that, that's a story for another day. That early church was trying to figure out how they were going to exist, how they were going to continue the ministry of Jesus, how they were going to be the church when Jesus wasn't there. And so they were reimagining, they were reinventing the wheel, carrying on the plans of God, as we said last week. And Acts gives us story after story of them doing this, story after story of the Holy Spirit empowering them, being the same Spirit that empowered Jesus, enabling them to act and to be the ministry, even though Jesus' body wasn't there, or, or maybe better said, even though Jesus' body has now been transfigured. And so one day... The early church, encapsulated in these two people of Peter and John, they are walking into the temple in Jerusalem to pray. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, they had been staying in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus had said that they were to be the witnesses first. And there in the city, in the center of that great city, stood the temple, full of splendor and stone, the temple dedicated to God. This was God's dwelling place on earth. This was the place where heaven and earth collided. This was, in Celtic spirituality, one of those thin spaces. This was the place that God's name was proclaimed. This was the place in the Old Testament that the Ark of the Covenant was kept, the, the footstool of God's heavenly throne. And there in this mass of people, they are walking into the holy place. And those two disciples, they see a lame man. The contrast is pretty striking. At the beautiful gate, the entrance to this building full of splendor and lavishly adorned, this place dedicated to the worship of God, right at the entrance there is a man that is broken feeble, struck down by infirmity, poverty, powerlessness. This man who had never been able to enter the temple himself because he was lame and he was forbidden. He was excluded from worship. You get the idea that, that at that three o'clock hour, there was a, a host of people all streaming in, doing everything they could to get inside, stepping over this poor lame man. As he did the only thing that he could, he begged. There he is, calling out to the early church. In the rush and flow of people trying to pray, Luke tells us that Peter and John did something different. They stopped. They looked. They looked intently at this man. Peter, who himself had been looked at by Jesus in Luke chapter 22, he now stops and looks at the man. He stares right at him. That's what the church does. We are people who look. We don't just hurry past the hurting on our way to do our spiritual practices. 
In the words of Will Williman, the path to prayer goes straight through human misery. And so we are people who stop and look when the hurting calls out. To paraphrase from the song, How Far I'll Go from Moana, that is the role that we roll with. We look. And so Peter, that first disciple, he, he stops and he looks. He sees the man. And the man sees him seeing him. And, and you can almost imagine the expectation, the excitement from that poor, broken body. As he sees this one in the crowd that sees him, he thinks, this is it. I'm going to get some alms. I'm going to be able to buy bread today. And then Peter says something extraordinary. He says, we ain't got nothing for you. In, in the words of the King James, silver and gold have I none. Peter acknowledges he has nothing. Man, do we feel that today? People do some strange things when they are confronted with nothing. I experience that every time I go to the store. That I'm, I'm there at the grocery and, and there are these aisles that are now empty. Well, one week it's meat, the next it's toilet paper, the next it's hand sanitizers. Actually, it's always toilet paper and hand sanitizers. Those are, those are never coming back. I, I don't know. Don't, don't, don't write. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But we feel that. You feel that dis-ease when you are confronted with nothing. But that doesn't seem to bother Peter. Peter has nothing, and he owns it. He leans into it. And that's kind of a probably a good lesson for the church to learn right now, because we don't have a lot. We don't have a, a building. We don't have a space to gather. We, we can't even gather if we did. I'm sitting here in my living room preaching to my dog, and she's already looking a little bored. We don't have stuff right now. But that doesn't stop Peter. Silver and gold, he says, I don't have, but what I have. Now, you may be thinking that Peter's a lot bolder than we are. He always has been. Right or wrong, Peter just jumps out and says it. But right here, in this moment, his bold poverty, he speaks in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up. And walk. And in that moment, resurrection happens. Just as Jesus was raised up on that glorious Easter morning, so too is this lame man raised up to walk. There's a, an explosion of activity. From a lifetime of immobility, confined to a mat, dependent on others, at the name of Jesus, this man leaps, he stands, he walks, he enters, he walks some more, he leaps, he praises God's seven verbs spoken in rapid-fire succession. That's what the resurrection, that's what the resurrecting spirit of Christ does. It takes those who are imprisoned and chained. It takes those who are dead and diseased, and it breaks them out and it sets them loose. Resurrection presupposes the reality of death. 
that binds all of us. Resurrection is God's no to death's final word. Death, it says, you will not win. And I'm struck by how often we are seeing that lived out today in the face of of pain and fear and frustration, we are seeing examples of courage and boldness. And we're seeing it in some of these most unlikely of places, this God-sized no being spoken in grocery stores and restaurants. Some of the lowest valued workers in our economy are speaking that no in the face of danger. In hospitals and health homes, caregivers are speaking that no. Death, you will not have the last word. And there's something deeply congruent with that speaking that aligns with the work of God in the world. And so, church, what does all that mean for us? That's what we're talking about for these next few weeks. How do we, just like the early church, how do we reimagine, how do we re-envision our work in this really weird time? Let me give you two, uh, two practical things for you to do this week. Number one, let us be a people who look. It's so easy right now in our bubbles of protection and isolation to forget how our actions can have such grave impact on others. It's so easy to to look past the suffering of communities of colors, those who are feeling the brunt of COVID-19. It's so easy not to see the suffering of healthcare workers and grocery store workers. It's so easy to to see our own frustration, to see our own desire to get back to life normal, to see our own wants of a haircut. But Peter, he looked. When all the crowd was going about their own thing, Peter stopped and he looked at others. And he saw intently their hurt. Not his desires, not his wants, but the pain of someone else. And that hurt caused him to act. Be a people who look. Number two, be people who who speak with boldness and conviction into places that imprison and confine. We don't have much right now, but we have a word. We have a name. We have the power of healing. And when we speak the name of Jesus, resurrection happens. I I got a letter recently. The, 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 the word, you know, the song from Blue's Clues coming to my head for some reason. We just got a letter. Luda, remind me to edit that out. That's not anything I should put in the sermon. I got a letter recently. Uh, it, it showed up in one of those days when the, the walls were just a little too close and the anxiety was just a little too strong and that voice of despair was just a little too loud. You, you know, the day I'm talking about. 
We, we've all experienced those days. I, I got this letter from a friend, and they wrote to me these words. JJ, always remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In his image, you are loved and continuously surrounded by the arms of our Father. There is nowhere that you can go that he is not with you. There is nothing you can do that he will cast you away. You are his child. You are loved beyond imagination. I, I can't describe to you how those words felt on that day. Well, actually, actually I can. Because those words felt just like resurrection. My friends, that's how we do ministry with nothing. We, the church, are the people who look. We, the church, are the people who speak. Let us pray. Now, Almighty God, may your resurrecting name be spoken on our lives, that we are lifted up so that we can look and see the hurt in others, so that we can speak that name, Jesus Christ the Nazarene, and see your resurrection explode around us. In the name of our risen Lord, we pray. Amen. Let us worship together.